Sophie just had um, the look of terror on her face, not knowing how to start recording. Has it been that I'm long? Not on a podcast in like. <laughs> I think genuinely the last time I did a podcast was when we did the queer one at your house post filming coming out for Christmas. No, that was like over a year ago. No, I did one since then, didn't I? I feel like you have, yeah, but I, I oh. was it like the end of year one? I can't for the life of me remember what it was about. So I, I, I did do was... one post then. I don't know what it was on. So I think sorry. I think it was yeah. the end of year one. Yeah, the end of an year. My, I don't know, too sure. But you're here this week because we're doing Ava DuVernay, and you're Indeed. actually wearing a t-shirt right now with her name on. I am just yes. ultra stan. No. Just, um, where did you get a top from is it girls on top's tees it is girls on top's tees i i can't remember i got it online actually like two years ago maybe two and a half i can't remember and then my friend nearly also bought me one for my birthday oh. a couple of years ago and she was like messaging my girlfriend to be like does she have this already and i was like good <laughs> job you didn't because i do so i've yeah. got that at the moment so um i have a new niece and everyone's doing that panic mm-hmm. thing when they're like, what are you going to buy? I'm going to buy this. But I was thinking about buying that. And I was thinking about buying this. Mm-hmm. And part of me is excited because, you know, it's always nice to have a baby. But then the other part of me, which is quite cynical, is like, she does not know or care what you buy her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's she all the same. It's just bizarre. And I've been invited to another baby shower. Nice. And I don't know what it is, but every time I get an invite to a baby shower, I'm just filled with fear. Do you guys get this? Have you been to many baby showers? I know I'm a little bit older. So we don't really do them because we believe that baby showers are like jinx it. Oh, explain. Yeah. Well, just the idea that like you're almost tempting fate because the baby's not here yet. We do like Uh, other, yeah, we do like other sort of like prayers and stuff, but it's not on like a baby shower scale. So I've never been to one and I really want to go to one because it's just like you play games and give get like that. Just It sounds like someone's birthday. They are quite fun. I will say that. Mm. Although I did go to one and they had this game where you had to sniff something that was in these nappies and guess what it was? Oh, that's not fun. It was, no, not my jam. But yeah. But yeah, so I've been invited to another one. But I have a great excuse Mm -hmm. because, you know, pandemic. That's true. I'm not that a fan. True. I've never been to one, but okay. I'm just like, I've never understood it. I always yeah. thought it was like, and no offence to anyone who has baby showers, true, of course. True, true. No offence. But I just feel like it's like, you buy a present when the baby is born, but then do you also buy a second one for the baby? I love gift giving, right? But I just feel like you're getting double gifts. Mm. And is that the point of the baby shower? Yeah, yeah. this is... <laughs> I see that. So my friend recently said that she went to a gender reveal and gave a gift and then she went to mm-hmm. baby shower and gave a gift and then the baby was born and she gave a gift and she said up to me like Karis I've bought more for this child than I have for myself this year <laughs> yeah so that yeah I had do... so many clothes <laughs> so many things <laughs> it's crazy um, but saying this when I am pregnant I will be sure in a baby shower and it will be extra it, I was just there. about to say yeah me too and it will be extra and we know it yeah, and also, and I'm throwing it. Gifts. Like, I don't want anyone to be like, oh, I'm going to throw you a baby shower. No. Because okay. you're doing yeah. it wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, so... That makes sense. We won't throw it then, Mehab. We won't. If, if someone throws me a surprise baby shower, I won't go. Wow. I will take the gifts and leave. I'm just kidding. 
Imagine not turning up to your own. That would be a really good move. Like someone threw it for yeah. you and you just never went. Anarchy. <laughs> just, keep, just keep keeping up with my uh, reputation of. I don't know what it is. I don't hate them. I just find them really stressful and it becomes quite competitive. Mm. And I mm, guess yeah. get really bitchy with them. I'm really? scared of. Mm. Oh. So, I'm not going to go. But this more. podcast episode is about Ava DuVernay, but we will just quickly glance over this baby shower bitchiness. So, I've been to If a you're couple. listening, Ava DuVernay, have you been to a baby shower? Yes. What are your full thoughts? <laughs> Tweet us. <laughs> but no, some people get really like territorial about gifts. And yeah. they'll they'll say like, well, I'm buying her that, you can't buy in this. Or they'll say, oh, everyone's got to donate money to get this one big gift. Mm-hmm. Or they'll be like a seating plan. I don't know, there's been a load of different things. A seating plan? How many seating people plan. are going? Wow. Well, I went to one baby shower and there was a seating plan because there was a few girls that di- there that didn't like each other. Anyway, baby showers aside, what have you guys mm. been watching recently? Sophie, what have you been watching? I've been watching. I mean, it sounds like I've just been swatting up for this episode. <laughs> but last night I she watched says. Selma because I've not watched it for like four years. Mm. So I was like, I want to brush up on my, I want to watch mm-hmm. it again pre yeah. the podcast. I also mm-hmm. watched last week When They See Us again, which well, was really it. hard watch. This, yeah, all of it again. Damn. I watched it last year. I love that show. Like, it's so hard to watch though. And I watched mm. it with my girlfriend because I was like, you need to watch this. Um, and she was like, okay, I will. And she did. And then she was like, how do you... And then we called for a chat after every episode about things. It was very, like, oh, educational and so good. Cute. And we're going to do um, the resources that they've been put up on the Array yeah. website. Um, we're yeah, going to do that yes. together as well, like the educational stuff. So anyway, mm. we watched it and she was just like, why did you watch that again? Like, it's it's quite Harrowing. traumatic to watch. And I was like, mm. yeah, the first episode hit much harder this time when you mm. know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was great. I'm, I, I, you know, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant and important show. I also watched Moonlight on Sunday night, which Nahal will be happy with. Um, <laughs> I, re- my ears. I rewatched that and it's so, it was as good. Oh, it was so good. I love that film. <laughs> anyway. Same. Yeah. But I don't know what else. I've not been watching TV shows much recently because I've just, I've just not been doing, I don't know. Um, I've not really been watching a lot. To be honest, this is the most I've watched in like, six weeks mm, okay. um, I barely watch things I watched Tell It to the Bees that the the queer film how was that because oh, cool. I really wanted to you see know that what? when it was at Flair not great right no. well no it's, it's okay it's okay throughout mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I mean spoiler alert if anyone wants to turn away briefly but not spoiler alert where I'll ruin it but it's Just an unhappy forward, ending right oh, okay so it's an unhappy ending, but apparently the book is a happy ending. Why so I that? kind of was like knocking it down a star after I watched it. Because I was like, why yeah. would you do that? Like, we don't have enough happy queer films as is. Yeah, Why absolutely. would you? But it was, no, it was okay. Like, it was pretty good. Up and It was quite a lot darker than I thought it went. I'll I say that. I think it was dark from what I've seen, like, promotional-wise. It's got um, yeah. Anna Panquin in it, hasn't it? Yeah. I actually called yeah. her Anna Panquin then. If you listen to the podcast, I call her Sarah Panquin a lot. Don't know why. No, she <laughs> she does a Scottish accent in it. It's a bit wild. Ooh, mm. interesting. interesting. Neha, what have you been watching? 
So I finished Sweet Magnolias and Virgin River. So I was like really on that kind of like family heartfelt drama. Nothing ever <laughs> bad really happens. And that was, I mean, Virgin River is a little sort of, some bad shit happens. Like it's a little bad, but okay. really easy watches, um, especially Sweet Magnolias, just like a blanket, I think. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants easy watches, I recommend them, but don't go in expecting like great plot lines or great acting or whatever. Um, <laughs> Oh, and I watched Spike Lee's new film, *To Five Bloods*. Oh yeah, <gasps> tell us what you think about so this because everyone's good. talking about it. It is so good. So it's like probably my like I feel like every award season cycle there's one film, and I'm like, this is my first award season movie. I think mm-hmm. it might be this one. Mm-hmm. I just like so it has Delroy Lindo, um, Chadwick Boseman, Jonathan Majors from *The Last Black Man in San Francisco*, and like a bunch of other really cool people and it tells a story of these african-american sort of aging men who um all fought together during the vietnam war and go back to vietnam to search for treasure and the Mm -hmm. sort of the the body of their kind of fallen i think it was fallen commander but it's just like this it's just such a good film and delroy lindo has to win or has to be nominated <laughs> or has to something and it, I, wor- I worry that he's going to be like overlooked a little bit given you know mm. the yeah. academy but um <laughs> I yeah. recommend it and it sucks because I, sp- I feel like sometimes Spike Lee doesn't get the same regard that we I mean for obviously he doesn't because he's a black man get the same regard as like mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. and he just like makes these really good films yeah um so yeah, I, I if you like war films, then this is also a war film. So, but um, yeah, it was just so good. I think everyone should watch it. It's definitely mm-hmm. on my list to watch. Um, yeah. Interesting, you mentioned the Academy there because obviously they've announced what they're going to do for the Oscars next year. Mm. So essentially, so usually the Oscars run January to December. So any film released during that year will be nominated for the following year. But they've now extended it, so it's January from this year to. February next year, so I don't I'm not too sure what's going to happen with this because obviously from what we had so far this year because they are going to be including streaming which I think is great, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of films that were due to come out that I don't think they will be because everyone's going to be battling for that box office number, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I saw your tweet, Karis, where you were like, this just gives the Academy more time to what not watch the films that they were never going to watch anyway or something. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of it and I think that it would be cool to incorporate more film, but I just don't know how much I believe it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. they didn't scrap it because I did think that maybe they'd scrap it all together and I thought that's unfair for the films that were released this year. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's a six-week period from when the nominations are announced to when the winners are announced, and you just think, those lazy bastards aren't going to watch them films. No. They definitely don't. And it's been, like, proven... I don't want to, like... It has been proven. It has been proven, right? Yeah. I'm not just yeah. lying when I say that, right? And I don't get it, because they're like... <laughs> if I was told, hey, you're going to watch these films that are nominated for Oscars, and you get to pick the winner, I'd be like, yeah. cool, sign me up. Like, <laughs> I'm there. calendar. Right, yeah. and I don't understand why people... Are they not excited by it? Do they not... Well, they don't care, clearly, and they just pick whichever yeah. looks like yeah. they prefer it. But it just makes me mad. Like, I don't understand why. I don't understand why, that's what I'm saying. I don't, <laughs> yeah. And they're trying to 
make the academy more diverse. I mean, Ava Duvernay herself has now been added yep. within the past week. Um, it's a strange one because, like, actors can only vote for other actors. Mm. And you do wonder if that's a little bit of a conflict of interest. Because, like, what? Say, true. for example, Sophie, you were nominated and I was mm-hmm. on the academy. But then next mm-hmm. year, I have a film with you coming out. Yeah. Wouldn't I vote for you because that means that my film next year stars Gets. Academy Award winning Sophie? Or at least a nominee. Yeah. yeah. So, this is know. true. I don't know. We've been doing the history of, of black actors and actresses and people in general mm. at the Academy Awards, and it's been interesting to look back at that. But it's just ridiculous that the length of time between certain wins. Mm. It's, it's crazy. Oh, it's. It, yeah, like, you know, I shouldn't be shocked anymore. But when I remember, I can't remember who it was, but I remember someone won an Oscar and they were like, it's been so many years since, like, um, even a person of colour won this award. And I was, yeah. I remember just being like, what? How many years? Like, how? I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not very well upon what award season um, stresses me out a little bit. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like I have to watch everything and I, if I can't, I get stressed. Um, but yeah. that's my problem. But I, so I don't know too much about the nomination process and like the choosing the winners process. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, but but yeah, I know that it does. Um, it it is unfair and it does. Yeah, it, it, the amount of years between is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how they change it. Well, simple cases just change the academy, so there's more diverse mm. people that vote in. But anyway. Let's yes. talk about the lady herself. So we're going to go through her career um, and what career it is. I'll mm-hmm. be completely honest, I haven't heard of Ava DuVernay until Selma came out. Mm-hmm. When did you guys hear about her? I think it was the when same. When Selma came out. Selma. Yeah. yeah. And I'd felt embarrassed because honestly I'd never heard of her before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was exciting because it was this black woman was um, doing this great film and then obviously it was shocking because Selma didn't get enough nominations at the Oscars considering how much of a killer film it was. Yeah. Um, but it's been interesting to watch her career since then and how she's, you know, had things like 13th and then A Wrinkle in Time and then we'll talk about A Wrinkle in Time and how it didn't do commercially well. But then she was mm-hmm. still able to have a career afterwards, which, which have we seen isn't always yeah. the case with directors, especially female Ooh. directors, especially female directors of colour. Um, yeah. But we're going to start with her early work, so her documentaries. Um, the, the shitty thing about this, though, is that there is so much content of Amy DuVernay that you can't find streaming in the UK. Yeah. Oh, that sucks, so yeah. we did as much time because we could for this episode, but it was quite difficult for us because, honestly, we tried. We can't get them. <laughs> Yeah. No, um, yeah. And we had this with the Regina King episode last week, and it is raising the point why is this content not out there? Mm-hmm. And all the shitty content is. Yes. Um, but yeah, so she had a documentary in 2007 called Compton in C Minor, and then mm-hmm. a documentary in 2008 called This Is the Life. But she did a short film. She did a film called Saturday Night Life in 2006, yeah. so just before her feature documentaries. And this was her first short after coming out of a career in publications um, mm. which is another interesting thing about her because she wasn't always in film and I think that's such a good message that you don't have to start your career when you're 19 to have a successful career yeah. and Ava DuVernay is just one of many examples showing that but yeah. she did a short film and it was following the life of her mother as a single parent 
and um, she's wiped it off the face of the earth. So our intern team literally could not find this anywhere. <laughs> um, she considers it her school um, that she learned filmmaking with. So she's one of these filmmakers that learned filmmaking by just doing it, which is another yeah. reason why I love her because she just seems to be working from the ground up. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we couldn't find that film anywhere. <laughs> um, and then she did her first film, I Will Follow, in 2010. So this is her first fictional film. Have you guys seen this? No, I've not seen it. Uh, I've not seen it because I've tried to get it so many times, like find it online or yeah. I tried to buy a DVD of it, but it was like 25 quid. And oh, I don't know man. if it's actually, a, you can play it on UK, you know, like that region thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't get it. I tried a few years ago and then I kind of forgot. And then I tried again when I knew we were doing the podcast and I couldn't get it like for it affordably mm-hmm. or whatever. It's really hard to find. I would love mm-hmm. to watch it. But, too. It'd be great yeah. just for one of the streaming services just to re-release them. Mm-hmm. It is on... Oh, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I just tried to check and I was like, oh, my God, is that telling me it's on Prime? It's like, no, it's not on Prime. I got so excited then. Me I was too. like, yeah. oh, my God, is it available? Like, I typed I will follow into Just Watch and I clicked on I will follow you into the dark instead. No, great that's song. not. <laughs> that's not it. Death Cab for Cutie. Um, and then she had a film, Middle of Nowhere. This was in 2012. Now, this is what won her the best director prize at Sundance. And she mm. was the first African-American woman to win it. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is where her career starts to take a turn. Would you agree? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I've still not seen Middle of Nowhere, but it was a big deal for her. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, it's not streaming. <laughs> oh, damn it. I know we're all surprised here, but yeah. <laughs> she then did a few episodes of Scandal. As Regina mm-hmm. King did, as we know. Seems to be a popular TV nice. show. And then we had Selma. Yes. Now, I remember seeing trailers for Selma and there was a buzz about it on Twitter. So I was really excited for what was going to happen. And for mm. me, this was the first one I saw with David Oyuelo. Mm-hmm. Would you say the same for you guys? I think so. Um... That's a very good question. Uh, I'm just like... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a quick look because I'm yeah, not... Yeah, me too. <laughs> I feel like um, I have seen him in something before Selma, but I don't know what it is. That's okay. It might have been so, quite a small role that I saw him in. Oh, okay. Well, she was never actually meant to direct this film. Oh, oh okay. so It was meant to be Lee Daniels. What? Ah, no way. He did uh, The Butler doing that film. Yeah. With yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not so, the biggest Lee Daniels fan, so that, that I'm happy. Um, there was a whole other cast. Oh, um, Hugh Jackman, Ex-boy. Liam Neeson, Robert De Niro, Cedric the Entertainer, Lenny Kravitz, and the only one she didn't change was David Oyuelo. Oh, that's like a, that's like a completely different film. That is, yeah, Actually. I was going to say that's. Uh, I can't wow. imagine that. Like, Can you I imagine cannot... Liam Neeson in a movie like this after everything that he said? Like, oh, oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow. I feel like with that cast, it's another example of where you get a film about a great black person from history, mm. but the emphasis is put on the white castmates. Yes. Mm. So it wouldn't so have been happened. Selma, that Ava DuVernay film about Martin. Luther King, it would have been, oh, that film with Hugh Jackman, Robert De Niro, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's strange, isn't it? 
Um, but yeah, she completely flipped the script, but six male directors turned down the film before she was offered the position. Wow. Wow. Makes you wonder why. Yeah. Thank God I also they want to know who these down. other directors... Yeah, who were they? I want to know. That's interesting. I'd like to find out what that is. I'm about. glad they did, because she... Yeah. That film was, like, so well made and like didn't uh, it was quite unflinching i think mm. yeah it was different too because it wasn't like a biopic it was about a moment in time um with martin luther king mm-hmm. and mm. i mean the the opening where you have that explosion oh i mean yeah oh i learned about that in history and it was always awful but then when you see it visually it is just so heart-wrenching yeah it's when they're having the conversation like because they're kids as well and then they're just having a regular conversation and then it just happens and I actually didn't know about any of this until I'd heard bits about it don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. through like my own bits of research about Martin Luther King but until I watched the film when it came out I had no idea what actually happened I'd heard of Bloody Sunday I hadn't heard I didn't yeah. know anything else so that was a shock mm. for me to see that I was like oh mm-hmm. what is this and then had to research it loads after um so but I, th- I, I I think that scene is really difficult to like it's shocking but it also sets the tone you're instantly like okay this isn't some like yeah <laughs> I feel like biopics are never really um I know it's not really a biopic because it is a moment in time but I feel like when you go into like a cult of biopic thing of a real mm. person, I, I find them quite tame. They're always very like quite mediocre. Do you think that's because yeah. they want to tread on toes? I think, yeah, it's trying to be like far too correct. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And I think with this, I think the beauty of picking a moment as opposed to someone's full career in life, it's mm. like if you pick if you pick to do a biopic on someone's whole life in two hours, mm. well, that's not going to flesh out moments very well but if you choose to do this one massive moment don't get me wrong a pivotal moment as well yeah you get to focus on it properly and you get to focus on like the specifics of that Mm -hmm. um yeah it's a gorgeous film too the way that it's shot is Mm. just so beautiful and it's the same uh, so it's bradford young who's a cinematographer and he Mm -hmm. worked with ava on middle of nowhere and uh, he also did a most violent year the jc chandler film yeah, oh, cool. Saints uh, Arrival. Mm-hmm. And he nice. did Solo as well. The Star Wars Okay. Movie. Wow. And he did When They See Us. So I think nice. he just has a way of making really harrowing moments. Yeah. Beautifully shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Truly a skill. Truly a skill. Um, but I mean, there was some historical inaccuracies with Selma, mm-hmm. which some people really took offence with. I'm sure mm. that, you know, guess who those people are. Um, but yeah, Ava just said that the bottom line is that folks should interrogate history. Don't take my word for it. Let it come alive for you. Mm. And it's like, no, we said about treading on toes with biopics. I think sometimes you have to add some shock elements yeah. to like get people invested in the story. I agree. And I also, because I, I read about this last night, actually, about the historic, because I never really delved that much into that when I first watched it. And mm. then... I read about it and people were saying like obviously oh we don't like with how um is it Lyndon Johnson the president yeah. we don't yeah. like how he was seen he was he was not pushed into his decisions he like gladly changed things and people are like mm, but you know let's not <laughs> sugarcoat yeah. and also like 
I actually I read a thing and I don't know how true it is that about people really picked apart this film in terms of its historical accuracy. But it's actually more accurate than most biopics out there because it's mm. focused at, like, the time frames of things are very accurate and what mm. happens is very accurate. It might just be the portrayals of certain people that are up for debate. Yeah. But I feel like you're never going to portray someone perfectly anyway because everyone sees yeah. them different. That's yeah. the thing, I and I think... I mean, most of the controversy was about President Johnson. Um, oh. But that was always going to be a thing, wasn't it? Because people... I mean, unless you're in the room, do you even know? yeah you don't <laughs> it's it's just silly i mean there's artistic license and things like that but i mean i think if you look at any biopic i mean for me i think the reason why rocket man didn't the story didn't grab me so much is that elton john was very closely involved so i reckon he was mm. there be like no no leave that out leave yeah that out. i don't look good there no 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 add that in i look nice kind of thing um Another thing that I got mentioned was uh, some uh, Jewish people who marched with Martin Luther King at Selma wrote that the film omits any mention of them mm-hmm. and it airbrushes them out of the film. Uh, particularly Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel who appeared in news photos at the front with King. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's little things like that that would cause a lot of offence. Um, mm. I don't know. It's it's difficult, isn't it, with biopics? Mm-hmm. Because everyone in their mind has a has a kind of image of someone already. Yeah. Um, a memory. So it's like with a book adaptation, everyone's read that book and formed their own mm-hmm. world and that imagery themselves. So it's never going to satisfy everyone. I think she said something like that as well, didn't she, in response to people saying, like, um, she's left certain people out who are quite big and known and, and literally pictured and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think she said something like she's chosen to focus on a certain aspect for the story itself and to present that. Yeah. So, and like she said, she's not like, don't just watch her film and think, I know everything there is about Selma <laughs> and what happened there, because that's not what she's trying to do. Like, she's not made a documentary. I think she actually said at one point, like, I'm not, this is not a documentary or I'm not a documentary film. And she is, but not in this aspect, <laughs> like for yeah, that film. Yeah. Um, and I think that is interesting. I think truth is so, like, what is... I mean, there's, all, there's also not just one truth. Not to get too philosophical on the podcast, but... <laughs> I was going to say, say, here she goes. <laughs> here she goes, yeah. There's not, like, one truth, is there? Like, what someone thinks is truth could be so different. And especially with yeah. things in, in history, because it is painted very differently. And you could have told that, that story from so many people's points of views, and it would be completely different. Hmm. I mean, isn't there that film called Bobby, where it's about oh his, yeah um, shooting Bobby Kennedy these random people's points of view? Mm-hmm. I never got around to watching that. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> um, but yes, alas, it didn't get nominated a lot at the Oscars, which is just a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, it did get nominated for best film. So yeah, it did get nominated for best film. It lost out that year to Birdman. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, no nominations for Best Director. No I'm not even surprised. I am mad about that because Best Actor nomination was deserved, mm. I think, personally. Mm, I agree. But. And uh, nothing for Best Cinematography, which hurts. Really Man, I feel like cinematography happens the same every every year. 
it's like the same or similar cinematographers and it's yeah. hard to same with the scores as well right so like don't get me wrong i love a lot of the big like the main composers i couldn't think of the word and i was like scorers no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, the scorers the music no the composers so you know some of the huge composers are wonderful but every single year they get nominated like two three times each and yeah. i'm like there's other scores out there guys like there, there are other composers out there that are yeah. doing amazing scores scoring yeah <laughs> i feel like similar with cinematography usually she uh, she did get a golden globe nomination though which is oh which cool. is nice i suppose um but yeah that was summer 2014 um following that she did 13th so mm-hmm. when we asked our listeners what their favorite ava duvernay film was this was just a landslide wind yeah. Wow. when we talk about this and i think recently a lot of people have been recommending people to watch this film because it speaks a lot mm-hmm. about um mm. the american history of the treatment of black people the prison system slavery yeah. it's um sorry best documentary ever it's, it's incredible and yeah. it's it's a documentary that doesn't sugarcoat anything but yet does it in a way that you don't see so there's like a com- compilation of shootings and police brutality killings based at the end of the film and they actually speak about how they ask the family's permission to share mm-hmm. it and honestly watching that because i watched rewatched it 13 again for, um a couple of weeks ago just rewatching it and knowing this film was out six, what's four years ago and nothing's mm-hmm. changed it's just heartbreaking um but you guys have seen this film and you love it so i mean Naha, why don't you tell us why you find mm-hmm. 13 so powerful it's just I think it's a combination of the way that it's filmed first you've got all of these experts talking about kind of the prison system and incarceration as a tool of oppression but even the way that it's shot in these uh, industrial buildings you've got that kind of it's very clear that um but yeah even the way that it's filmed like it's these industrial complexes it's really kind of driving home the fact that prison the prison system itself is a complex and is for all the wrong reasons sort of a component of America's economy um and I was really interested to watch it because I studied American studies at uni so this was always a part of of the way that I learned but it's just it's so the way that they've used graphics and the way that they've used kind of it's like it's watching it's it's like some it's an educational tool um in the best possible way I remember there's that I think it's towards the end they sort of tally up the kind of the the rate of incarceration and how it's from the 1940s was going up but quite slowly they do that throughout the film yeah Yeah. and then you go through the timeline it keeps flicking and at times it like doubles and triples and it's just terrifying yeah yeah and i think what's really interesting is that you see kind of the curve of that prison account graph rising exponentially during the civil rights movement so that's like what 1964 and there's that Mm -hmm. kind of very pervasive Mm -hmm. idea that the stronger the protest for rights the harder the system fights back against it using means of incarceration and you're seeing that now like despite the fact that there are these um protests and so forth because of police brutality you're also seeing rates of incarceration and people just being like thrown into prison to put it mildly um i think is still very much relevant so yeah it's just it's my favorite documentary ever and i watch it sort of every so often because it's just so as much as it's useful, it's also I think it's really grounding. So it kind of gives you a really, a really kind of neat framework 
to start or continue your journey of learning Mm -hmm. I agree with that I think it's very um I think the way that it's made is fantastic for a documentary it's not confusing it like she because the the infographics are so well done the talking heads are so well done she gets some Mm. brilliant people to talk as well people you've heard of people you've not heard of like a real range of people and I think there wasn't one moment where I felt do you know like sometimes you're watching documentaries that are quite info heavy and you're a bit Mm. like oh okay I need a minute like I think with this it's so well presented and put together I never felt like that I was like no this is like I could go through it and watch it and like write information from it don't get me wrong but what I mean is I never felt like oh god this is too info heavy I just thought this is I mean first off it's fascinating it's important grounding I think is a great word to use for it yeah I agree Uh, and I think it is astounding like I remember like finishing it the first time and just being like this is you know like when you've heard stuff you're like obviously Mm. I never thought like the prisons especially in America I feel like in Britain we're always like American prisons are horrific like we're all kind of but like we don't really know what how or why they're so bad and then this really pieced together so much for me like in my brain I was like oh wow the reason that this is like this is because of the history of it like and it just goes back and back and it all connects Mm. the way it links in politics as well because like you Mm. said about like why is the american prison system so different to the british system then when they see clips of like bill clinton talking and uh, robert robert not robert robert redford (laughs) ronald reagan (laughs) yes um yeah you just realize that it's just dominoes and these people in power, which is why it's even scarier that the mm-hmm. person in power now in America is worse than Reagan yeah. and Clinton combined. And but I like what you said about the style of it because they they the film locations and production design they use, so it's very industrial, isn't it? There's brick wall settings, yeah. it's not yeah. a lot of colour. They chose that to represent that labour has been stolen from black people in the country for centuries. So even the thinking of that is a stylistic choice and approach that mm. she's making. Yeah. And like you said about the infographics, the film itself is so gripping. Like you like you said, you've seen documentaries before where you're just watching a talking head and you're like Right, yeah. what's next? You're never once bored with this. And Never. I cried both times I watched it at the end. I was absolutely in tears during the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, yeah, being grounded, I definitely would say to watch this on a regular occasion just to ground you and remind you yeah for sure and i think it really yeah because i think you know you are going to forget things that are said and you are going to forget stuff and i think especially i don't want to say especially now because at the end of the day it's always important to watch and i think more people i mean it's it's massively grown hasn't it the amount of people watching it and i think it's available Mm. for free on youtube right now on netflix's youtube to watch Really? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's available for free on Netflix. They've made it free for non-Netflix subscribers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was Ava Du. I think it was Ava Duvernay's choice to do that. Um, which is amazing because then people can use that, and she's happy for that. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we should be. Uh, obviously, you know, black creators have every right to charge people for their work because yeah, that's how like you know, you shouldn't be getting it for free. But I think she must have wanted to do that um but i just think now like please watch it i think it's accessible as well even if Mm. you go in you don't have to know things already you don't have to go in knowing everything but even if you do know stuff it's still a good tool i think it's good for like any 
level He's anyone yeah whatever any, you any know audience. yeah yeah hugely um it was the first documentary to ever open the new york film festival wow mm. it was the first nomination for a black woman for best documentary feature at the oscars and she should Good. have won she should have won and the film won four Emmys. Outstanding motion design, outstanding original Mm -hmm. music and lyrics, outstanding documentary, and outstanding writing. Um, Because I think people don't understand writing in documentaries. Like, you've got to basically create a story and then hope that your Mm. subjects kind of slide in there and fit the narrative. Um, No, but it's it's fantastic. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that people are watching it. Like, my letterbox are just seeing it flash up constantly. Um, So I'm so happy with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Same year, 2016, she created Queen Sugar, which is a TV show that's, like, running for five years now. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not available on any UK platforms at nope. all. Which is really disappointing because it's done, it's done fantastic. It's done mm. really, really well. Um, and I just don't understand. But um, a very interesting point about this show is that she insisted that every single director has to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. She did. She did a whole thing, actually. I remember when it came out because I've not watched it again. I've not watched it because it's so it's not very available um, <laughs> in the UK. And I desperately want to watch that. Um, I need mm-hmm. to look into how to get it again. But I think she said something like it was when Game of Thrones and um, different TV shows were being kind of like, why haven't you got one woman directly? You've not even got one in your all your episodes of this season. Yeah. American Horror Story was brought up, too. Because the only female directors I think they had were mainly like, I think like Sarah Paulson did an episode at one point, but it was the actors <laughs> as directors. It never like, yeah, it doesn't really count they never sometimes. hired someone, you know? And yeah. I think she was like, hey, I did it. And she just had no time for anyone being like, oh, well, we don't have. And she's like, I did it. And like, I've had first time directors, like main directors, like they've done little mm. things before. And she's got no like time for people no. making excuses for this. She's like, and she's not just going to say she's not one of those filmmakers who's just like, oh, no, we should have more women behind the camera. She's like, yeah, I'm going to do Portman. it. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie Portman. She's, she just does it. Like, she says it and she does it. She acts on it. And she doesn't think she's a martyr because she does it. She's doing it because she actually wants to do it and she cares. Yeah. Um, and also that most of her directors are also women of colour. Yes. Um, and mm. I believe non-binary people. I'm sure she's had like a non-binary person of colour director as well. I might sure be I wrong in saying that, Twitter, but I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Again, I might be wrong there. Don't quote me. But but yeah, she's you know she does it, and she's not she's not scared to do it. Mm. And I think that's the thing because she's leading the way and she's showing, like you said, like well I've done it, mm-hmm. and I just love that response to things because there's so many people that create these excuses for why they can't hire women or they can't hire people of colour, or they can't mm-hmm. hire non-binary, why they're excluding trans women and trans men from their campaigns and schemes. Um, and she's just showing that if you want to do something, put your mind to it. She's got that, um, what's the word? She's got that power behind her to be able to do that. I mean, the fact that she's still helping people. Mm-hmm. Most people be like, I've got my Oscar nomination now, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. And like with Array, like her whole company, I mean, I'm sure you might come to this later, but she's doing the same thing and yeah. boosting um, voices of people of colour and marginalised voices. And she's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you know what? We don't have that. Cool. I'm going to make my own then. I'm going to make my mm. own production company or like yes. distribution company. 
and we're gonna do it and I think mm-hmm. again like what like you said before like you know there's people coming up with schemes to get more women into directing and stuff and you know some of these are great don't get me wrong yeah. but some of them are also like Marvel's whole thing of like we're gonna have so many women directors on our next few films or whatever <laughs> it's like well why don't you just hire some women now like what's wrong yeah. with you like just do it I don't like other people are doing it and you're one of the biggest in- institutions like just do it I don't understand I this whole mm. yeah it's crazy and then she did A Wrinkle in Time so this is Disney this is huge for a director yeah. absolutely huge um, I watched it I was very excited because obviously it's Ava it's Mindy mm. Kaling it's Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. who was just I just love her so much Chris Pine um, mm-hmm. the cast is fantastic um, and this was the first ever live action film with a nine digit budget to be directed mm-hmm. by a woman of colour so again yep. breaking records and this Amazing. film also made Ava the first black American woman to direct a film that earns, earned at least a hundred million domestically Yeah, but this is it's just crazy it's just absolutely fantastic Um the film itself, for me, I didn't love it, but maybe mm-hmm. I'm not the key audience for it. I never read the book, for example, as well. Um, mm-hmm. but I just felt like it was a little bit fluffy. I didn't feel like there was a, a strong storyline in there. Um, but I was very impressed by the design, like the production design, the graphics, the animation, um, the acting. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just something fell flat for me, and I felt like I wasn't alone in that. I felt like a lot of people at the time were saying kind of similar comments. Um, mm-hmm. What did you guys think of the film? I've not seen it. Oh, have you not seen it? Sorry, I thought you did. No, I I was supposed to, but then I didn't. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we will forgive. Um, yeah, I I'll be honest. So I have seen it. So I read the book before I went to watch it at the cinema. Oh, you did because I was like. Okay. I just thought, I don't know anything about... I, I'll be honest, I didn't know it was a huge thing for, like... Mm. I, I, it's an American school, but, like, a kid's, like... It's a huge thing, isn't it? Part of people's childhoods. I didn't realise that. Um, <laughs> so I read it, and I was like, oh, I didn't realise this was, like, a classic of, like, children's literature. Um, oh, I never, but, I've never heard of it before. No, me either. Mm. So it's quite big in America, I think. So I read it, and I wasn't... The book isn't fantastic. I mean, again, I was older. Maybe I missed out on the nostalgia, but it's very, like, dated, like... It was written in like the fifties, I think, or something like that, and it's oh, very white. It? Yeah, it's quite an old book, and it's um, it's very white and very like. Uh, I don't know. I think it's of. I don't like the phrase of its time at all, but like I think like the style of writing is also very like you can tell it was written then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm not really. I wasn't really massive on it, and I actually I thought some of the changes that she made were fantastic. Um, okay. I think so. For example, um, they had, um, oh, what's he called? Is he called Charles Wallace, the little kid? The youngest kid, they had him as adopted and they had that whole little conversation with him. Yeah, Charles About the Wallace. fact that they found each other and that really made me cry. But that he's not adopted in the book or anything. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure. And I think like some of the changes were brilliant, but also it wasn't my favourite film of hers. It's not a great... Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a wonderful film. I think there's aspects that are good. I think she did some bits really... I think some parts of it are good. I don't think the story is that great anyway, personally. There's a lot of plot holes. Or it's not for me. There's a lot of plot holes, and there is anyway. I think my least favourite bit that really turned me off the Mm -hmm. film was... um, 
oh, what's he called? Who played the like psychic key person? Galak Fanakis. It's him. So I'm yeah. pretty sure that character I was, was a woman. Out of the film and just thought I was watching The Hangover because it was the same <laughs> character. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure in the book she was a woman in in the book. Um, that character. And I was like, why have they changed? And she had that. They had that whole flirting thing with Reese Witherspoon and him. Yeah. Remember, and it made me feel that weird. Is and weird. I, I know. I hated it. Right. I hated it so much. It was really weird. I just didn't understand it, and I was like, why? 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 Um, why? <laughs> and I think like everyone else was great. Like the three, um, like Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, and Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey, of course. How could I forget Oprah Winfrey? Who did um, even audition? She just, I mean, fair. She just walked she in just like, it's up. Oprah. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> she was offered a role. <laughs> yeah, she just came on and was like, any room for me, Oprah? And she was like, come on, I've got a role for you. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't great. I think, I think it was shot beautifully. I think I came out and was like, it's one of the most beautifully shot children's films I've ever seen, or family films yeah, I've ever seen. I will say that. Um, but I think, yeah, the story for me wasn't great anyway. But yeah, I'm not going to, like... I did go to see it at the cinema and I was leaving there. Like, I love Ava DuVernay, but it's not my... Like, I was no, like, was... even my bias is a getting me through to being like, this is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I am glad that I watched it just because support in it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting yeah. what you say about the story changes because, I mean, they changed the family to be multiracial so it'd be more relevant and re- relatable for contemporary audiences, which I really love. I love when yeah. there's a multiracial family because, I mean, I'm watching The Night Off at the moment and um, the... I forgot his name. <laughs> Literally, I was watching it like six hours ago. Um, but his family's multiracial. And I just love that it's just in there. There's not a big thing about it. It's just in there because there are multiracial mm. families. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a massive backlash for the, for the fans of the book. They were really unhappy about it. Oh, yeah. They were quoting, like, I think Meg in the book. So the character that Storm Reed plays. Storm mm-hmm. Reed, by the way, is fantastic. The girl who plays the main character. And yes, she's in When They does. See Us as well. She's like, yeah. she she's brilliant. But yeah, I remember people being like, quoting the book. And I feel like Meg was like, maybe very pale and ginger. And they were like, it says she's white and ginger. Why are they <laughs> casting like a black person? And I'm like, oh my God, like sit down. Like just, just shut up. These people are probably angry about The Little Mermaid as well. Yeah. They're probably angry about everything as well, aren't they? Like, I was just like, <laughs> get a grip of yourself. Like, they hated it before it came out because of this. Yeah. Some people are like that with books, though. Very precious. Yeah, they need me, to... I just say, don't watch the film. The film doesn't affect the book. The book's or watch it as a separate entity, which is yeah. what I've taught. As someone who, like, is whose two greatest passions in life are books and films... <laughs> I've learned to separate them. Like it's it's a I I hate bookish people saying oh books are always better and mm, films yeah. aren't as good because I'm like no don't come at my other passion Sometimes like it that. Depends, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think it yeah, I think like you can love two different off topic, but like, one of my favorite books and films is We Need to Talk About Kevin. Mm, are they gosh. similar in any way? No. Okay, not at all. Like the the film is like a snippet of the book. It's it, Lynn Ramsey basically said it's told from one person's point of view like the film and she could make the film again in anyone else's point of view but it's not as fleshed out no but is it still amazing yeah because it's yeah. it's not trying to be it would have to be like five hours long if it was as fleshed out as the book yeah that's the thing people always forget that which is why i think miniseries are a great way to go sometimes with book adaptations mm-hmm. writing wise um this was wrote by jennifer lee who did frozen wreck it ralph zootropolis 
Um, this was oh. her first live action debut, so that's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize with Jennifer Lee though is that two years ago she's now the chief creative officer of Walt Disney Animation Studios. Oh my wow. god! Get that's it, quite Jen. Big. <laughs> Impressive. I might not Impressive. Just start just saying get it, Jen, at any point. Get it, Jen. Jen. Get it, Jen. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I didn't know that she wrote this film either. No, yeah, very no, cool. I didn't realise either. Um, and then we had When They See Us, which came out last year, mm-hmm. which was weird because it feels like it came out two weeks ago. Um, this is mm. a Netflix original show. Um, mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Um, we've seen it win great things already at the Emmys. Um, it was nominated at the Golden Globe. Did it win a Golden Globe? Uh, I remember I, being I, angry about something that her, but I can't remember what. There <laughs> was, yeah, no, it was, um, I think it was the Golden Globes, and I think it had been snubbed from almost every category. And I only know I was angry about this, because apparently if you Google your Instagram handle and click the news tab, it tells you where the, your um, tweets have been used. And I've been used in an insider out article about when they see us outrage. <laughs> good. That's a and good I, legacy. I think that's what it was. That's a good legacy. Yeah, I think it's um, Yeah. It got 11 Emmy nominations. Um, and Jerome won for Outstanding Lead Actor. But let's talk about when they see us. Yes. Um, Something I found interesting about the making of this series is that due to the nature of the material, the production budget provided an on-call crisis counsellor for anyone who needed emotional support during or after daily shooting. That is a level of care. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Incredible. That's, like, Um, something that some people wouldn't think of as well. And and I think, like, you know, it is... Because that's the thing, you watch it and think, oh, this is quite a, it's a difficult watch. But you don't yeah. think about how they were filming it and mm. acting it. And they were kids, like, they were young, a lot of the actors. Yeah, yeah, and even yeah. if you're not, it can still be traumatic, do not get me wrong. Yeah. So it's a crime miniseries. Mm-hmm. And it's based on the events of the 1989 Central Park Jogger case. And explores the <laughs> lives and families of the five male suspects who are falsely accused and then mm-hmm. prosecuted relating to the rape and assault of a woman in Central Park. Um, did you guys hear about this story before you watched this show? Briefly. And that was only because I remember seeing the news that Ava had signed up to make this miniseries. And I was like, oh, what's this case about? And then I read it. So it was still through the series that I heard about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. What about you, Sophie? I heard, I'd i heard about the case before as the Central Park Five. Um, yeah. I know there's a documentary as well, isn't there, from a few years back before the thing, before mm-hmm. the series, that I, I haven't actually watched but I'd heard of. So I think I might have heard of it through that and I didn't know anything about it other than the fact that it was five um, people, basically, and they were wrongly accused and that's literally all I knew um, about it. I remember I heard about it because Donald Trump... I think I was just reading about all the shitty things he's done. And um, because obviously he takes out a full page ad, doesn't he? Is it the New York Times? Yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Something Um, like that. So I I heard briefly about it from that. And there was a CSI episode about a rape in Central Park and they referenced it. So I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't obviously know the full extent. Um, The show was actually called Central Park 5 originally. And then it got Mm -hmm. renamed, which I'm glad. 
because um, I know that they don't they they don't refer to themselves as the Central Park Five anymore, do they? They call themselves the Exonerated Five. Yeah, yeah. Which is positive. I like that affirmations. Mm. Um, Cara. It also gets them out of that. Um, it gets like because if you hear the Central Park Five, you still think crime. Yes, and you yeah. think of the crime that occurred, which wasn't yeah. even their crime. Mm-hmm. So they're tied to this case that was their name for a crime and they didn't commit it. So to still be, even if you're exonerated, I hear Central Park Five, first thing I think of is the initial events as opposed mm. to them being exonerated. So mm. I think it's really good that, yeah. And the cast in this cool. film is incredible. I mean, Jarell Jerome is pretty much the standout performance as Corey. Wow. Um, he actually had to audition twice. So the first time he auditioned, he had a beard because he was watching, he was watching, sorry, he was filming another project and Ava was a little bit unsure. So after filming ended, he shaved and come back again. And she was so impressed. That's why he's cast in both ages. So he's the only ah, actor that plays um, both yeah. age categories. Yeah. Um, but he's fantastic. And um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a painful show to watch because it's so raw. And it explores, mm. obviously, not so much police brutality. Well, actually, yes, it does. But it explores the aftermath of prison. And we see them adapting to normal life. We see mm-hmm. them within prison. We see how things change. We see how they have to become different people to live in this different place. It's harrowing, and but it's such important viewing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of what's going on in the world right now, a lot of people seem to think... I mean, even me watching The Night Off right now, it's that whole thing where people don't want to do innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. And you see this show where there's so little evidence and you see how the police and law system just create a narrative out of thin air that Mm. affects these people's lives. I mean, Linda Farstein, she sued Netflix and Ava DuVernay for defamation of character. Right. So, Linda Farstein. So, I read... So, after I rewatched it last week, um, me and Charlotte went on a a little research thing because she... Mm. Um, I love you guys. I also want to just bring up briefly that tangent, not really a tangent, but we. she thought, she said, I didn't realise the four episodes would follow the interrogation, the court case, and then two episodes on prison and the aftermath. And mainly the yes. aftermath, not really in prison. And mm. I said, apart from like um, Corey Wise, like Jarell Jerome's character, but she said, oh, I thought it was going to be a court case the whole time. And I said, to be fair, when I went into it, I kind of did. And I'm yeah. really glad it wasn't because it showed kind of every, not every aspect, you can't physically show that, but, you know, every main aspect. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, Linda Fersey, so this came up because she was like, what happened? She was like, she, that woman is trash. What happened to her? I hope she's like, <laughs> I hope she was sacked from everything. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. So I looked, I mean, I agree, but I looked her up and that came up because it was last month. She re, she tried to sue again, right? And she tried to say it was defamation of character again. And I think Netflix did a great statement that was just kind of like, you can't have defamation of character. This isn't the quote for quote, but word for word, not quote for quote. Um, but basically, like, you can't say it's defamation of character when we made you say, th- like, we your character said things that you've publicly said and still agree with. And I was yeah. like, yeah, like, you can't say. Yeah. Like, what they made her say, her character say, is stuff that she still thinks is the truth. Mm. She's like, I don't know if she's deluded or just stone cold horrendous as a human being, but like, 
She is she just books, isn't she? She's wrote like loads of crime books, like loads of um, they look like trashy crime novels, but they do yeah. the front covers. Yeah, and I'm just like, she's she's the worst. Like I j- truly have no sympathy ever. Yeah. No. So you know, she could. I think that some of the things she was there, like I was looking to, you know, protect women from sexual assault, and that was her role in in the police. And I'm like, I understand that, right? But that this doesn't give you a right to like then interrogate, not even interrogate, mm. like abuse. Like, what, yeah. what I need people to understand is that you can be a feminist and you can also be racist at the same time. It's not yeah. one or yes. the other. Yeah. You don't, and like, it doesn't let you off. You can't be like, oh, well, I'm trying so hard to get justice for this woman who was sexually assaulted. So I abused and made, you know, five young kids, you know, black kids yeah. and a Hispanic kid yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. as well. Like, you know, say they did it and also you're not protecting anyone because you've not got the real attacker off the street not only have you put away five innocent people you've also left someone out there to go and kill and attack again which i think he did so you've actually done nobody any good in the world and you've you've got repercussions from the case itself because like during like when the case was ongoing there was a real kind of focus in on black youth crime and there were new yeah. laws that were put into place that caused even more children to stand trial as adults yeah. than kind of, I think, any other time. So, yeah, I just don't, I don't, I hate Linda. And I'm pretty sure she was a lecturer at Columbia University. She was fired or something recently, but the fact that she oh was even in that position to educate people is terrifying. She was. No. She was also like, I think she was a representative for some on the board of trustees for somewhere. And they were like, yeah, we don't want, I think like students like rallied and was like, we don't want her. And then she got cut off. So I was like, thank God. Because imagine yeah. if she was on your board of trustees, you'd be like, no, thank you. Like, no, I am okay. We don't want you here. Yeah. Um, she I think is. She is played by yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. For so- oh my God. Am Somebody I right? Is. Hilarious that she played her like after what everything that came out. Like, um, I know, and it's not like the same, but still, yeah, um, <laughs> no, I know. It's still kind of a, um, using the system. Yeah, am I right? Uh, Jarell Jerome, though, man, I can't talk about that guy enough. I'm My just Moonlight in awe. Boys, man. Moonlight Boys, <laughs> they're so good. Um, all the all the kids were amazing, actually, yeah, and all the acting, really actually, all the actors, like yeah. the ones playing them when they were older, they really got the. I just, yeah. I just, yeah, wow. So Amazing. good. I really like that they did, um, that it was about the American criminal justice system, but also from the perspective of family. So like you said, it wasn't just kind mm-hmm. of the specific court case, but also how it affected everyone, how everyone reacted to it, the way that parents kind of rallied differently. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was just yeah. such a, yeah. yeah. But this is the thing, I think you see, like what we're seeing at the moment in the news there's so many people in that inner circle being affected mm-hmm. how are their lives gonna be for mm. the next 20 years like this is the thing we can't go into it too much because i'll just end up crying um it's, it's also such a powerful show yeah, it is sure. and like you say with the family aspect you know you're not just it is countless lives that are that are affected by this mm. and like mm. the, you see it with the families and like you say you see how they all deal with it differently and it's heartbreaking. The first episode is so heartbreaking when they're being interrogated and mm-hmm. forced to confess to something they don't even know is had happened. Yeah. And 
their families are there and they're helpless like they don't know what to do like never mind the kids not knowing the adults are like some of them are like kind of more clued up maybe but you Mm. also shouldn't have to be clued up on how to get how to avoid being arrested and how to avoid the police like it's insane but it's just it's terrifying like how they used their different families against them like Mm. they they knew how to like how to get them on their own kind of thing or how to manipulate them which is horrific um i'm so glad they got justice in the end and so glad because even watching it knowing from the beginning that obviously they're called the exonerated five i still watched it thinking no this is awful because even though they got exonerated that doesn't Mm -hmm. undo the incredible pain they went through it's it's but we're thankful to have a great miniseries to educate us and Mm -hmm. highlight and shock us um it was, it's fantastic. It really was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're running out of time. <laughs> but we're going oh. to mention um, Array, which is her company. Um, yes. An incredible company. So it's an independent distribution company. And it's essentially... It's dedicated to showing films by people of colour. And it's they're doing fantastic work and they've been nominated for so many great awards and they've got fantastic resources as well so it's a great resource mm-hmm. if you want to not only watch films because not at the moment a lot of people are saying watch this watch this it's going to educate you but sometimes it could be too much you know but they've got a fantastic amount of resources that you can do they've got array alliance which is they've got some funding schemes they've got funded grants mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. I mean, the work they're doing is amazing. It's inspiring. It's what we want to be doing at Rian Pictures. Um, and I just love that that within Ava, she's just got this... She's the community, community kind of collaborative feel. She doesn't yeah. just want to create a great career for herself. She wants to create a great career yeah. for other people too. And that's what makes her so inspiring and uplifting. Oh, God, I just love her so much. <laughs> Yeah, I think, she's incredible. interestingly, with the company, I actually think that's what I saw first about her instead of Sel- not Selma. Or, like, it was the okay. same time. So I heard about Selma, but I also heard about her company through that. And then I was like, oh... Because I think with Selma, I was like, oh, this film looks interesting, like, like a good film. Mm. Um, but then I, I saw that she was also doing Array. And I was like, oh, mm. this is interesting. And then that's how I got really into it. And that's why I... I think I loved her pre the film, watching her films, because I was just like, mm. what you do? And like when I say to people, she's one of my favourite directors, I, it's not even necessarily because of her films directly, like just her films. I'm not like, oh, I think she's my favourite director because she's like a visionary or whatever. I'm like, no, it's because she she builds people up. She builds other people up, not just herself. Yeah. Yeah. And like what she has done with her career is insane. And the amount of people that she has helped and like, and I don't think she sees herself in that way. She's not, like, no. ever seeing herself as, like, oh, I've helped her. She's, like, the, the, you know, I just needed to put things in place for people mm. to get where they can get because of it. And I think that's just so... Like, even if you don't like her films and are not into her style, I don't think you can take that away. Like, you can't say that she's not done something amazing with what she has. Yeah. Be- beautifully said, Sophie. Beautifully said. Um, well that's basically what we've got for you this week with her episode but I think we've got a long long career ahead of us with Ava Mm -hmm. and I'm so excited to see what she gives us in documentary form in web series form in fictional form Um, 
it's exciting to have a female mm. director to look up to like this. It really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you to Alex and Bryony, our interns who helped us with research this week. Um, yes. We will be back next week with a new episode. And um, bye, guys. I miss you, Neha and Sophie. I wonder what I'm actually going to yeah. have a hug you both again. We've I actually know. done a podcast a together. Time. I know. It's been a long I've only time, ever too. done it with Karis. You said that was such a disappointment. <laughs> I, I did, <laughs> did yeah. <laughs> I've only ever done it with uh, Karis. No, I've only... No, I, I think I did it with someone else as well, but I, I've not done one with Neha, though, so it's quite <laughs> no. exciting. I Digging think Karis is worried we're going to spend, like, four hours just talking about Moonlight and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. She is. That is essentially... I mean, if yeah, you're listening to this, worry. I've probably edited out three hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> that that episode will just be, like, artistic queer movies... Yeah. that we love and it's yeah. just those two films there's no others <laughs> yeah, there's um, no other. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just those it's just the moonlight portrait fight um portrait on fire portrait <laughs> of the lady on fire episode <laughs> and it's just me and the like okay hi um <laughs> frame by frame breakdown could we'll you imagine it. wait for I it guys it's gonna come imagine if you want that episode guys let us know tell us mm. if you want a six hour podcast episode from the hair sophie <laughs> even if you don't want it we want it well, yeah <laughs> so. we'll make it happen <laughs> oh i think my connection's going bye guys <laughs> 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 okay sending lots of love to you both bye yes you too bye, bye.